0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. You're listening to Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Christian Terbish.
1: Welcome back from the break. I'm Christian Tervish and this is Work of Tomorrow on Business Radio here on SiriusXM. Today we're talking about apparel production, and the key question is, like, does it make economic sense to produce in the USA? In the first half of the show, I talked to Doug Ewert, who is the CEO of uh, Tailored Brands, a company that owns popular brands such as Men's Warehouse and Joseph A. Banks. And we learned that some of the custom production is ha- actually happening in Massachusetts, while most of the production is happening overseas. For the second half of the show, it's now my pleasure to welcome John Stroophek. Uh, John is the CEO of Boat Sports. He's a former Olympic rower and produces sports apparel right here in Philadelphia. Welcome, John.
2: Christian, thank you for having me. Uh,
1: John, uh, as a former Olympic rower... Now, you outfit uh, top athletes. What have you learned of being an athlete yourself towards now running a sports gear company?
2: Um, well, first of all, just to, I don't want to uh, to correct you. Once you're an Olympian, you're always an Olympian. So there is no X.
1: Sorry for that. Yeah, that's I mean, that's, that's a sho- OK. Size of shoes I will never fill, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah you still can. You're an athlete. Um, I think I, we tell all our management team, we try to hire athletes. And one of the reasons we hire athletes, and I think a lot of business people know that is because athletes know how to lose and how to get back up. I mean, there's not an athlete out there, whether it's LeBron James or, or Tiger Woods or whoever, who hasn't lost um, at least a lot of the time. So you know how to get up. The Olympics, I think, really helped me because it, um, the preparation that went into the Olympics, the commitment to uh, reach certain levels, the pursuit of certain metrics, the training um, really taught me that uh, if I commit myself uh, and I understand where I have to get to, that if I really do the work um, and with a little bit of luck, I'll achieve that success. So um, I was fortunate um, as an Olympian to uh, be successful and row into Olympics for the U.S. team. Um, I was fortunate that I had good coaches and good mentors um, I learned also from that that I needed mentorship as I got into business um, and I sought out mentors to really help me develop boathouse uh, from the beginning um, so that's really what I got mostly out of the uh, the Olympics plus the I guess the the single fundamental thing is I like to win um, I, I you know I've, I've lost races I've won races I prefer winning
0: um, so um, that's it Christian mentioned earlier the, the fact that you produce out of Philly. Can, can you talk a little bit about, we, we see most manufacturing nowadays done offshore. Sure. Why, why Philly? Um, uh,
2: first, you have to understand our core competency, and the core competency of Boathouse is custom and fast. And by custom, I mean we produce, last year we produced about 45,000 custom orders for teams nationwide and abroad. Uh, Most of it is college and high school prep school teams. Um, We also do club business and we do a a modest amount of business in Japan and in the Commonwealth countries. Um, The average order for us is about 25 garments. Uh, They're made from raw materials to finished product. And we, uh, from the day the order comes in to the day we deliver it or, or ship it, is about 18 working days. So we have an 18 uh, 18 days, which includes the art process, uh, creating the art, um, sending the art to the customer, getting the customer to approve the art, cutting the fabric, uh, pulling the notions that go with the garment, uh, embroidery, tackle twill, uh, screen print, uh, sublimation, whatever, finally sewing inspection and in the box. So we, we do all that within 18 days. Um, when I started the business, um, that was the idea, custom and fast. I did originally try to outsource domestically. And I outsourced in, in, in what used to be some uh, hotbeds of, of apparel manufacturing in the U.S. and in western Pennsylvania and North Carolina and in Tennessee. And the problem I ran into is, um, despite the commitments of the companies to deliver in a certain amount of time, it rarely happened. So I made a, I made a decision in the in the late 80s um, to at least do some of the manufacturing myself. So we set up our own cut and sew plant in North Philadelphia um, in an area that's now called um, Northern Liberties um, and is a hotbed. Our factory is now some beautiful homes. But we originally started with cut and sew and then I I did try to outsource some of the other aspects of the make of the product um, and even found that to become challenging because we would send panels out for embroidery or panels out for screen print. And some would come back within a few days, some might be a few weeks, and sometimes parts wouldn't come back completely. So I'd have a group of sewers sitting on the plant floor uh, with nothing to do. Uh, I think it was about 1992, 93, that I committed uh, 100% to uh, manage the whole process. And we invested in um, embroidery, screen print, graphic arts, sublimation, tackle twill, applique, the whole the whole thing.
1: So we learned in the first half of the show that in a man's suit there's about an hour and a half to two hours of labor. Mm-hmm. If I think about this jacket I'm wearing right here between cuts, sew, insulation, printing, how much labor is in a in a vest like this?
2: Um in in the jacket you're wearing I think there's a, probably about probably about seventy minutes. Um, and that's uh, that jacket is seam sealed so for every seam that is stitched, we also have to go around and, and seam seal the seam seal over the stitches so it doesn't leak.
1: So it's barely I mean, it's barely less than my suit. I mean that's
2: great news. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean our products, uh, our most complicated product that we make is a Gore-Tex jacket. A Gore-Tex jacket, the the most popular one has about 120 parts. Uh, Gore-Tex is a um, uh, uh, very high-end product. Uh, that is fully seam-sealed, waterproof, and breathable. And it's about 120 parts, takes uh, upwards of 190 minutes just to sew and seam tape. Uh, the cutting of the jacket is maybe 15 minutes. And then the other parts, the embellishments that happen to it, whether it's embroidery or print, um, might be you know anywhere between 5 minutes and 15 minutes per garment.
0: So I'm trying to listen a little bit the economics of that. It's 18 days end-to-end. That's of all time. Mm-hmm. Cost-wise, because um, I mean, you deal with very technical material mm-hmm. that's probably quite expensive in of itself. Then you have labor. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the overall sort of breakdown of cost? Uh, this too depends
2: on the, on the product. Um, with um, uh, take, well, I'll start with Gore-Tex. A Gore-Tex jacket, uh, first of all, if you buy a Gore-Tex jacket in a retailer, um, say REI or a golf shop or a ski shop, you're probably going to pay... On average, three hundred to five hundred dollars for that jacket. Um, the jacket's made somewhere in Asia. We actually retail our jackets um, made in Philly for two hundred and eighty-eight, so we can sell them for the most part for less to teams who are buying in bulk. We're we're making and shipping those jackets in about about one hundred and seventy to one hundred eighty dollars. Uh, the breakdown between material and labor of a Gore-Tex jacket Gore is very very expensive uh, fabric, uh, and it deserves to be. But it's probably about uh, 60% fabric, 40% labor.
1: So from the $288 jacket, uh, there is about uh, three hours or two and a half hours of labor in there. What, what are typical wage rates in, in this type of production job? Um,
2: in, well, in, in Philly, we pay a living wage in Philadelphia. We have full health benefits for all employees. We offer a 401k with a match. Uh, so we pay very well. I don't know what our fully loaded labor is per person. and uh, it, it varies by department. Uh, cutting would be higher than sewing.
1: But directionally for the two, two and a half hours, there's some $40 of labor in the jacket I'm wearing here.
2: Uh, well, not, that one's probably, but the, 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 yeah, I, the, I, I, I need we'll to go- get your Gore-Tex jacket. Yeah. I'll follow we'll, up. on We'll get here. you a Gore-Tex jacket. That <laughs> so jacket might have, uh, there was a 17, about 18.
1: Uh, that was a 17 minutes, right? And that would be getting me like towards 20, 25 bucks, something like that. That jacket? Yeah.
2: A little less than that, less. Yeah.
1: and so if you would think about the economics now of making that jacket in China, you would save on the labor costs some fifty to seventy percent, at least. At least. I mean, right? if if if
2: if, it's a, if we use some simple numbers, let's say we're twelve dollars an hour hour um, loaded, in Mexico right now you're paying maybe a dollar dollar twenty five, El Salvador, Honduras. Somewhere in that same range, a dollar, dollar twenty-five. Um, China was years ago fifty-five cents. I think China's become a little cost not prohibitive, but it's certainly gotten more expensive. Um, regardless, you can the labor you can find elsewhere is probably ten percent of what we're paying. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's. I mean, if we talk about labor, we talk about usually about technology. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the role of technology and maybe automation in, in what you're doing?
2: Uh, that's uh, Boathouse has been successful. One, because we're persistent, like an athlete. Two, we've been very innovative uh, in this team business that we are in. Although, I, and we may get to this later, we have pivoted a little bit recently. Um, but we've u- I've used technology all along the way, and uh, sometimes I wish that i had spent half as much on technology as I as I have. I'd have a much bigger boat, you know. Um, but early on, we realized a, com- uh, a constraint to the amount of custom orders that just our sales force could generate because uh, back in the early 90s, the mid 90s, while we had guys working on laptops, um, there was no real technology to translate, to translate the information into the factory. And to some extent, we we're still working on paper and we did invest in some um uh, MRP systems back then, but we couldn't get them to work um, to the level of customation that we had. Uh, we invested early in some simple database software, FileMaker Pro, and another accounting software. I don't remember the accounting software, but built customization on top of it, and immediately realized that the sales force, uh, where the, the volume they could bring in um, prior to this technology suddenly tripled. Um, And then, and we've done that again. And and, uh, so now um, the business of Boathouse is, I like to call it vertically integrated. So you, our sales guys can create garments in the field on a tablet or on a computer, and they can hit a button and just send it in. And and once it goes through customer service and gets approved, it's in the factory. Um, Not only that, but we've recently deployed a new um, configurator online on, on, I allowed to say my company URL.
1: Of course. And I also want to tell the listeners to um, take a look on the YouTube video. You have a very cool YouTube video featuring your production process.
2: Yeah, we have a few of them. We're going to deploy some more video. But the um, at Boathouse.com, we call it putting our factory in your fingertips. But you can um, go on to Boathouse.com, and we have newly deployed retail product. But the real driver behind Boathouse.com is the custom configurator. So you can go on there and design your own Gore-Tex jacket or design your own helium jacket or a beautiful soft shell jacket or a a mission jacket, which is one of our biggest sellers and has been for 25 years, where you can design your own rowing unisuit or a track uniform or a hockey uniform. And you can design it, you can save it, or you can design it and you can buy it and you can buy one or you can buy a hundred. It's completely, the, the site is completely custom and prices based on the volume you order. And uh, we will deliver that to you in about 18 days. So if you need a Gore-Tex jacket, you can go design your own in any colors you want, put your logo on it, and we'll deliver it to you in about 18 days.
1: Building on Gat's earlier question, so if you, uh, join me in the following thought experiment. Blindfold me and drop me off in your factory here in Philadelphia, drop me off in an El Salvador, Mexico factory, and drop me off in a Chinese factory. What would I notice how the production looks different here? Is it is it is it more automated because of the things we just talked about? Uh, is it managed differently? Uh, what, what would catch my eye if I would visit those three plants? Um,
2: I've been to plants in Mexico and El Salvador. Um, I have not been to plants in China. But what I, I know the, what you would see in Boathouse and uh, or what you wouldn't see in Boathouse is piles of work. Um, years ago, I read a book called The Goal. And I think it's Ilya who,
1: yeah, Goldratt.
2: Goldratt, right? And I read the goal, and I understood um, lean manufacturing, lean enterprise right away. And it did take us two years to get to lean, but one of the one of the um, key ways to really see if a factory is lean is that there's not piles of work anywhere. So despite the the demands on the business, uh, whether it is March and spring season's about to launch and everybody's screaming because they want their stuff fast and our backlog is 3x what it is today, um, you won't see any piles of work anywhere in Boathouse because our, 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 our work and process time is about three and a half days. So once an order is released to production, it doesn't stop. It goes around the whole factory. All the queues in our factory are visual. So um, whereas we have a lot of technology, Anybody in the factory knows how products should move based on the color of the box or the size of the box and some of the coating that's on it. So the entire place, is everything moves very, very quickly.
0: So you talked a little bit about the decision to keep things in Philly and other decisions of technology. I teach a class on scaling, how to scale firms. Mm -hmm. What are the main challenges you face as you scale the organization?
2: Well, this is actually, this um, this is something we're dealing with today. uh, From... When i began the business back in the late 80s uh, until last july july of 17 virtually everything we made was custom and we realized a couple of years ago that uh, it is difficult to scale custom and whereas we can maintain a uh, delivery for the most part at 18 days throughout the year there are certain parts of the year where we get pushed out but there's also times of the year where we're just you know we're we're not refusing orders but we're telling people this is how long it's going to take and it becomes its own um it becomes a barometer you know if you as you get pushed out a little bit people just don't come to you for the business Uh, we have recently um, identified new markets and new channels uh, for which we plan to um, i don't want to say stock but instead of making a entirely custom product um, one after another we're starting to focus more on building some scale by identifying certain products that we can sell into other channels, retail channels, or wholesale channels and add value through just the embellishment, through just the logo. Um, so for instance, we're going to launch in about a week, um, our first licensed store and, uh, appropriately we're a pen because it's built all around the Ivy leagues. Um, and that will bring that, do, doing that kind of business will bring us some scale. The team business, there's never scale. The team business, there is uh, um, always demand f- to get it as quickly as possible because the va- vast portion of the team business, uh, the buyer, uh, the team doesn't really know what they want to the last second, in part because a lot of kids aren't chosen till the last second. So that's when they order their products, you know.
1: So you mentioned lean, but you also mentioned the seasonal nature of the business. That typically tends to be a certain tension, right, in the sense that, uh, inventories are typically there when there's big seasonality, when there's variability. You mentioned the goal early on, when there's variability in flow, mm-hmm. when there's variability in demand. Um, how do you deal with the fact that you're working in a seasonal business? You don't want to have too much inventory. Uh, do you have the flexibility in the work hours, or where do you take the flexibility from?
2: Um, uh, for 20, what's it been, about 29 years, um, one of the things I got out of the goal is uh, the culture of the business and how you treat people. And one, we pay well. Um, But two, pretty much everybody in the company understands that when demand is high, we're gonna work overtime. And um, to meet demand, we uh, will add extra hours, we'll add extra days, we'll add more people. And if we can, we'll outsource. And we have started to outsource locally, so it's still in Philadelphia, but it's locally. And conversely, when, when we, Don't have enough demand the summer because, despite the fact that we keep trying to find ways to build more business in the summer, our business still largely revolves around the academic year. And the academic year is September to May, and and, uh, we're we're running at about 125 percent of capacity through that period, and then we hit the summer and we're 60 percent. But so most of our, or virtually all the employees, will and and are happy to work as hard as they possibly can um, through the fall and the winter and they always spring and they also know that we'll cut hours in the summer and uh, overall they'll work more than a full year's worth of hours and to some extent people enjoy getting some time off in the summer um so right now that's that's how we deal with it and, and i learned that from the goal and from other uh, lean training that if if you really take care of people when you need them
0: and take care of people when you don't need them they'll be very loyal to you You mentioned the goal, and I don't want to get too much into that, but one of the main characters there, it's Herbie. I mean, the the main idea... I love Herbie. And the main idea is that in any point in time, there is a limited number of constraints in the organization Mm -hmm. that you need to really identify these and move these forward beyond just bringing more sales. What is currently top of mind for you? Constraints
2: on the business? Yeah,
0: That, that if you relieve them, the organization can unleash... Your potential.
2: Well, I, I think the biggest constraint. I have to be careful with this one. I mean, the biggest constraint on our business, on the business in general, is is, is simply the team model. Um, it's uh, one; it's come under severe headwinds as the brands Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour have really come in and, and identified the uh, Scholastic Business College High School as a direct-to-consumer play. Um, uh, so the sales, our current sales model, is a constraint. So we are moving into new channels, uh, wholesale channel, licensed channel, and then online. Um, we have a wonderful sales force. We'll continue uh, with our own direct-to-consumer sales force. Um, their uh, roles may change in the future, um, but we need to augment them with uh, uh, pursuing other channels, including the uh, potential you know, 300 million consumers in the US via e-commerce.
1: So one of the things I remember from the gold in particular is this color coding of the boxes flowing through the factory there. So what is your golden product, so to say? What is where, what's the type of product where, when a worker can go and work on this box or that box, what gets the fast track to the factory?
2: Um, The fastest track are the red boxes, which means it's a rush. So a rush takes precedent over everything. Um, In every work center in our factory, um, we have... I forget what it's called exactly, but it's a, it's a, it's a defined space on the floor and all the work that's waiting for that work center to produce it is set in that box. And if there's more product that can fit in that box, we need there. We we know we need more, um, uh, more people, more assets working in that department to get it through. But if a red box appears in there, then the person that's in charge of, um, uh, setting flow into the group uh, we'll pick that red box first and 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 send it through and if there's two red boxes he or she will look at the one that has the earlier date and send that one through
1: so it's scheduling so to say by, by residual time to the due date uh, all this, another element would be go looking at profitability margins so if both have the same due dates is there like one product where you feel like you're making more bottleneck money per hour which would be kind of a little bit of a Gold, red type of metric.
2: To some extent, uh, um, we're, we're moving in that direction now. I mean, I, for years, uh, and you wrote a book about supply and demand. Yeah, it's I mean, a good book. I it's mean, a very you, good if you, book.
1: If you need something for the holidays, uh, give me a call. So, uh, I, I don't know if this came out
2: of the goal, or I, or it was elsewhere. But I, I um, one of the philosophies of the business was we felt if we could deliver. Um, a great quality product fast we're always going to have business and we spent much more time trying to focus on speed i believe speed is a uh, an advantage or a killer in any business i don't care if you're in medicine or apparel or or legal firm or whatever but speed kills and speed really really gives you an advantage um so we have always focused on how to get product out faster um Uh, we've established a new, um, a a little bit of a stronger team on the operational side. And and my current COO was starting to focus on that type of thing. Like, how can we we produce in such a way to actually produce more profits? I was more focused on the customer being happy. um, And I'm still focused entirely on the customer being happy. And I believe that by doing that, uh, the rest will follow.
0: Following up exactly on that, what do you measure? What are the metrics that you, when you wake up on Monday morning, you would like to see uh, touching exactly on, on these things between speed and, and efficiency?
2: Um, yeah, well, one is, I mean, ironically, one of the things that uh, in, in Lean says is that backlog is bad. Um, uh, I, I have this conversation every year with our banks when they say, well, your backlog's low. And I say, yeah, that's good. That means we're servicing customers and and." and we're not tying up inventory, but everybody likes to see a big backlog. But, you know, we, we, we want to see our backlog grow, but we want to see it to, to a point where we can deliver everybody that wants everything in about four weeks. Um, so we look at backlog. Um, we always look at speed uh, and how much we're delivering on time. I think, you know, in the last five years, we probably delivered, in four of those five years, I'd say we delivered 97% of the orders in, in on time. Um, last, about a year and a half ago, we ran into a little – a little bit of a challenge as demand exceeded what we expected. Um, so we look at speed. Uh, we look at the volume by product category. We might uh, we have a lot of different product categories, and we try to balance them. And uh, some products, like a Gore Tex jacket, has say 190 minutes of labor. Um, the simplest product we make is a track singlet, which may have six minutes of labor. So you have to balance that out. Um, those
1: you know those are the primary metrics. Lots of things to balance. Uh, thank you so much, uh, John Stolpek, the CEO of uh, Bodos Sports. We've reached the end of the show today. I've learned a lot, especially that kind of the tension between the speed and the cost. I learned a lot about uh, how many minutes of uh, labor i in my, my, my apparel now, and I appreciate the speed of Bodos uh, uh, Sports getting the, 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 the apparel to me in a timely manner. Uh, let me thank uh, my co-host, uh, Gatalon, today, and my sound expert, uh, Dion. Let me also thank uh, Matt Dadatz for organizing this show. Uh, We hope you can join us again this coming Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern. I'm Christian Terwish, and on behalf of all of us here at the Wharton School, thank you for listening.
0: For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.